0: This podcast is brought to you by The
1: Province. listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Here are your hosts, Paul Chapman and E. Spencer Kite.
0: Welcome everybody to another edition of the Keyboard Kimura podcast here on Province Sports Radio. Taping this on Thursday morning in studio, I am your host E. Spencer Kite, joined by my original partner in crime, the (laughs) man in the title. Mr. Paul Chapman, Chappie, it is good to be back in studio. How are things?
1: It's pretty good, Spencer. I'm happy to be here. I know uh, as you do these things remotely, I don't get a chance to expound my views, (laughs) uh, very unpopular views on UFC. But still follow, still a fan, still read everything you write at theprovince.com, keyboard camera, go find it. And uh got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah, it's
0: always good to get back in here. I joked last time that it had been too long and we had to let Grumpy Chappy kind of just air out his grievances. We have some stuff to talk about with this weekend's fight card UFC 204 in Manchester, England a little bit later. But as we we're just kind of sitting down and sipping coffee, setting this up, um, I asked if you wanted to talk about Toronto versus Vancouver because it was recently announced that Daniel Cormier, one of your personal favorites, will defend the light heavyweight title against Anthony Rumble Johnson in a rematch in December in Toronto. It doesn't quite feel like, it hasn't been confirmed as the main event, so it sort of feels like there may be holding out hope for something else. But even just from a that fight standpoint, and some of the other stuff that was announced was just a lot of Canadians, I'm sure there will be some other bigger names attached to the card But does this feel like another case of Toronto gets what Vancouver doesn't? I understand the size difference of the market. I'm an Ontario boy by birth now living out here. So I understand the overall, I guess, passion and and sort of almost loyalty to a product. But if you look at attendance figures over the last few events in each city, it's been a decline every time the UFC goes back. So what gets Toronto a pay-per-view while we get a Fox show with a main event that kind of gets pushed to us a week before it was supposed to be in the middle of a
1: pay-per-view card? Well, uh, man, there's a lot to, to <laughs> chew on there. But yeah, I mean, I, if you just look at attendance figures, it's fraudulent because, uh, you know, if, I, if I'm if i going to compare uh, Canucks attendance figures, I, I need to either look at the whole season or, well... How do they do against the Oilers last year versus this year, right? I mean, you look at what's trod been trotted out in Vancouver, and you look at what Vancouver or you look at what Toronto's had, and I've said this all along. Especially when um, I, I I honestly feel that UFC is to get people in the building and feel that energy from a live fight. It's still a big screen sport, and I would like to see a super fight. At BC Place rather than going back to Rogers, because I think the screen would be more conducive to putting people in there. And if you're gonna fill it, you need a big fight. Why? I know Toronto's a bigger market, but Vancouver's been served up dog food spencer. And it's you say you think that there's another main event coming. Well, the only way I can see that is if they think Jones is gonna get reinstated and maybe there's a little doubleheader here, knowing that this is his tune-up fight and he'll get the winner. But honestly, which I don't think is going to happen, by the way, because there's just not enough time. But if you take Conor McGregor out of the mix, name a bigger fight than Rumble and and DC right now. Well, I think the one that people are holding out for and and
0: thinking might get announced is the return of George St. Pierre, who obviously entered the USADA, entered the USADA testing pool. This would be the first pay-per-view event that he's available for. It is a Canadian show. It makes sense. Michael Bisping, who we will talk about later in the show, has done his I'm going to beat Dan Henderson quickly this weekend and then I'll fight George if he still wants it because George had talked about maybe fighting Bisping once he first won the title. I think that's the one fight and the one guy that they maybe hold out for that, as you were saying, is is that draw that brings people in. But I agree with you in terms of looking at the two markets and just looking at, at it from attendance standpoint. I've been at, I was at UFC 129. It was the biggest show in UFC history, and there wasn't even that much atmosphere to it. There wasn't that much buzz I think if you do, like you said, if you do Vancouver again, it needs to be something bigger. We've talked with Tom Wright about this numerous times. This market feels like it's sort of an afterthought of sorts. We're never going to get that big card for the longest time. We were always a June, a June fight card, which fell between two holiday pay-per-views in Las Vegas. So it meant we were getting kind of whatever was left on the table. I liked the idea of Fox up here when it was first announced. I thought we would get something bigger, not to take anything away from Carlos Condit and Damian Maya, was a great fight, but it just felt like that card ended up being the, we don't have any other names to put on this. So an Anthony Pettis fight with Charles Oliveira that looked like it would be a great kind of third fight on the main card became the co-main event, and it didn't really carry as much value because you had a bunch of guys coming off losses in that those kind of main card high-profile spots. That being said, I know Daniel Cormier is your boy. We got to talk about Daniel Cormier. And I guess, as always, the offshoot of Jon Jones. Because as you said, outside of Jon Jones coming back, you don't necessarily think DC is is that guy that's going to draw people in to make them say, well, UFC 206 is a pay-per-view that I absolutely have to buy.
1: Well, I, d- I don't know that he isn't. I, I think Rumble is. Um, I think their their last fight was fantastic. I, my issues with Daniel Cormier are, and, and it's funny because I will, you know, I tend to have a drink or two during social media and sometimes <laughs> I say stuff that gets me into trouble, but I get, I get, you know, a lot of people who really like DC who come back at me and I totally appreciate his wrestling. Um, I think he's a, he's a fantastic talent. I think he's elite. Um, he is definitely in the top five pound for pound fighters. Um, I prefer a style that is more of, you know, um, more stand up, I would, I would guess. Not, not that Action I don't based, like rap, but, yeah, based, yeah. but I can appreciate his talent. The, the, reason I'm really turned off Daniel Cormier is a lot of the stuff that he threw at John Jones. I see back in him. He likes to take the high road. He's, and I'll say this too. He's excellent on TV. I do like him as a an analyst. Yeah. But when he tries to get into the taking the moral high road and crapping all over John Jones, and then he actually to me just comes off as a real D-bag, but that's fine. That's good. That's what I like right. about this sport. You have heroes and villains, and I will watch Daniel Cormier because he's an elite talent and because I want to see him lose. I know Rumbles has done things where you can say the guy's a piece of crap outside the ring. You know, that's a guy that certainly has a split personality because he comes off very well in front of the cameras most of the time. Great fighter. Absolutely devastating. What he did to to Shara was unbelievable. So, you know, the first fight... If you didn't see it, Rumble almost knocks him out in the first 45 seconds. And then DC does enough to get his bearings and then gets, you know, his grappling really won the day. But you know if one more shot had connected from Rumble, he's the champion at that point. Um, I just think that the UFC needs John Jones. Uh, You know, there's been talk that this test that robbed us of that last fight at 200... You know, right almost immediately it was like there's something sketchy going on here, like, yeah, yeah, they always say that, no, it looks like something sketchy, and it sounds like he's going to be I don't understand why it's taken this long, Spencer that's part of of Usada that i don't I don't understand um but you know all that said, uh you know when you talk of g s p coming back, I know he's a legend, I think it would be massively disrespectful to Daniel Cormier and Anthony Johnson not to make that the main event. You want to bring George back and make him a co-main, fair enough. But to me, outside of Conor McGregor, Rumble and Cormier is the biggest fight you can make in the UFC right now. Who else do you want to see? I mean, there's I I want to see Nurmagomedov fight any of those guys (laughs) who are up there. But, you know, he's been out for so long. The matchmakers you look at, you know, maybe it's Dillashaw Cruz has a lot of heat. That flared up a little bit yesterday. You look at the heavyweights while well, Verdum, me, like, I, I look through and there's good fights everywhere. But I there's not I, necessarily that star that drags you in. I, you know, I wanted to see Rousey home too. That's gone sideways since then. I wanted to see Weidman Rockhold too. That's gone sideways. Right. Robbie Lawler was a guy you could recycle these guys. At, McDonald's gone. Hendricks has fallen off the table. Now Lawler. Like, the UFC is just, it's great from a sort of any given Sunday point of view. But this is where guys like Cormier, guys like Jones, guys like Connor—they're the last vestiges of must-see superstar fighter. And I, you hate talk of the casual fans, <laughs> Spence, but man, if you're if you're going to get back to put an athlete on cover Sports Illustrated, and that is a benchmark, you know, like Ronda Rousey did it, Chuck Liddell did it back in the day. You're at that point where you're like, okay, we're reaching out to mainstream fighters. To go, you're a sports fan. You're going to want to watch this guy. The UFC has lost that in the last year, in my in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on the George St. Pierre part of if he's going to come back. Um, my, my stance on that has been made clear both on this podcast and in print several times over. I don't think George needs to come back. I think there's nothing left for him to prove. I'm personally tired of the back and forth between Dana and really no one because Dana just comes out and says it whenever he's asked about George and wants to shoot down that he's coming back. I agree with you that you can't put him in a return fight three years past is walking away ahead of a championship bout. We've talked about devaluing titles a number of times on this show. They need to get back to making them a priority. And I think that's part of what elevates some of these fighters to that level. And it's not that I dislike talk of, of casual fans. I appreciate the any given Sunday of it as somebody that, that watches this sport every weekend that is immersed in this sport almost 24 hours a day. If you ask my wife, she will tell you I enjoy those new stories. I enjoy seeing new angles develop, but I will 100% agree that it's not great for casual fans that are just starting to learn. Let's say Stipe Miosic's name after his title defense against Alistair Overeem. If he then goes out and loses his next fight, then it becomes we need to start over again with somebody else. It may be Kane Velasquez, who we already know. But you also already kind of know a little bit about where Kane's ceiling fits. So I agree with you, and I understand completely the
1: the need for developing some of It's like, it's like, it's like liking these a team guys. over liking a sport, right? right? I mean, you can appreciate good baseball, but if you're a Blue Jays fan, God knows why you would be most arrogant <laughs> dislikable team in all of sports but anyhow I'll, i I'll love pop, i know you Jambi. do i'll, par, I'll park my bus. no but if you just like watching baseball you'll get a certain amount of interest sure. in watching the playoffs if you're invested in the blue jays you go nuts and i think right. that's the differences you talk about and it's so that's not even really a casual fan thing that's like you know what i can appreciate it i watched the fight night last week um you know i I, the names even escaped me but the very (laughs) first bout you have a kid pulled off the ultimate fighter right brandon moreno brandon moreno you know supposed to be just basically sacrificial lamb because someone else got hurt hey kid here's your big shot and he chokes a guy out who's a top 10 ranked fighter in the first like that was fantastic i love those kind of stories but i wasn't cheering for either of those guys right if i'm watching dc get put on his ass but against rumble I'm getting out of my chair and screaming, <laughs> "Holy right. shit, holy shit!" And I'm reaching for Twitter. So I think that that's the difference. And I, unfortunately, I think that's where the UFC is right now. Whenever you've got a guy that's got traction, you know, and you go, you go through every weight class. It just seems to have happened. I mean, pound for pound, they put they put Rousey on the cover of Sports Illustrated because she had this aura. You know who actually is uh, is the one who the only one who can even pretend to have that mantle right now? Joanna Jury your Honor, and how much? How much? pub is she getting right like again people in the sport know her i think, right now that's someone that i'll I'll sit down and watch fight but other than that every fighter has kind of had some turnover here i guess well no sorry i'm obviously forgetting dj but um you know i i think that this is an issue with the ufc right now is they need those big personalities to sell pay-per-views
0: well and one of the things you mentioned joanna yinjacek i think it is great just as it was last november to pair her with ronda rousey In Australia, I think it is phenomenal that she is on this card in New York City at 205 in November again, because it is going to be, with Conor attached to it, it's automatically going to be a massive spectacle. It is automatically going to chase pay-per-view records, all of the things that Conor boasts about all the time. Media
1: capital of the world, yeah.
0: Exactly. And I mean, I've talked to different friends within the industry. Credentials were sent out. Credential approvals were sent out this week. There are some big North American-based outlets that only got one person that normally would get two or three because there's that much international media coming, because there are that many international fighters and that many global stars taking part in this card. I think you're 100% right that she is one of the few people that can ascend to that next level. I think we've seen it within the sport over the last year and a half. I have a feeling that 205 is going to be an opportunity for her to go to that next level because so many eyes will be on it for Connor. And then Joanna is similar in that the confidence is there. The bravado is there, but it's such a different deployment of that confidence that that juxtaposition of the two will be really cool for a week when all the spotlight is on. And then they both go out into the cage. You can hold their performances sort of side by each To get a look at at two of the biggest names, the biggest stars and the biggest potential superstars for the UFC heading into 2017 as the new ownership at WMEIMG looks to get these fighters into more mainstream positions and into kind of a greater overall spotlight away from just the sport itself.
1: Well, and that's, I guess, to to bring it back to the original question, that's where when I look at Vancouver, if you're going to hold a live fight here, you need to have one of these names in there because I just think, you know... Up and comers is and and again we've we talked about it at the time. Spence, August is a terrible time. Yep. June, and July, August, terrible time. So I don't yep. care. Like come here in the don't, winter. Don't, don't avoid the Canucks. Either do it when they're on a road trip, or if you yep. make it big enough, do it across the street the day before they have it. Whatever it is, I just think that this. I think this can be a market. Vancouver's an event town. Yep. we've seen this. And so look, look, the Raptors and the Warriors just right. played here in a preseason game, and tickets were going for you know two thousand dollars for preseason. So. I, you know whether it was the Indy race or there was the Air Canada Championship Golf Tournament. I think people will show up for the right event, and for the right event, you need to put the big names in there. Now, having said that, I understand the global competition. Like, if you're, if you, and as we just went ran through that conversation, if you look at like the ten biggest stars in the in the UFC and assume that they're all going to fight on different cards, which right. is not going to happen anyway. But if you were to do it that way. You're automatically going to put what three, four, five of those in Vegas over the year, and right. then so what other and markets then you're looking at New York, and then you're looking at what pisses me off is why does Toronto get it again? <laughs> like you had John Jones, now you're getting like it just maybe it's the envy maybe it's the jealousy but why aren't you throwing fight nights at toronto you're just i I mean i think vancouver fight fans would rather have that spencer give me one event every four years but give me names worth going to watch well and that's what we said coming out of august's
0: show was if you're going to do it rotate it rotate a pay-per-view through the major canadian centers that can hold them and make them special
1: hidalgo texas got a better card than
0: vancouver Hidalgo, Texas got not a bad
1: card. That was with, a great with, card. With I love that card.
0: I was in England. I didn't see it. I've only seen highlights. Shout out to Michael Johnson for a beautiful that finish. That
1: was fantastic. And Uriah Brunson and Heap was spectacular as well. Honestly, that was a that was a <laughs> shocking. Well, it wasn't shockingly, but that was one of those ones that, in the context, you're of this, not really you turn paying the attention. TV yeah. on. What's going to happen? And now, like, man, I want to see Brunson fight again. Man, I want to see Johnson fight again. And it, that's building those names up. And I think Vancouver's a little tired of being a, la- a rung on that ladder.
0: It'll be interesting to see where this conversation goes in the next couple months as more fights get announced for that UFC 206 card in Toronto in December. We, of course, will be discussing it. I will be covering it in print and online for sure. But we will pivot now to UFC 204 taking place this weekend, Manchester, England. Michael Bisping's grand homecoming. A championship fight in his backyard down the road from where he grew up in Clitheroe. Against a guy that he's been itching to fight for seven years since he got absolutely immortalized at UFC 100, Dan Henderson, who has said, win or lose, this is my last fight. I'm going out. I talked to him earlier this week. He said, look, I'm content with what I've done. My resume speaks for itself. Yeah, I would love to win the title, but it's not going to define me if I don't. This to me, and we we sort of talked about it as we were setting up, Michael Bisping isn't necessarily a guy that makes you go, oh shit, I need to spend my 60 bucks on Saturday to sit down and watch him. But for me, this is maybe the one fight that he can be in because it has so much to it. I think everything that's connected to this fight is intriguing to me because Henderson's leaving, because the potential of beating Michael Bisping in his backyard, winning the title, and then leaving the belt in the center of the octagon and saying, okay, you guys can have it. I'm out of here. That's cool. Michael Bisping's resurgence, I've written about this in the paper, as much as he's a love him or hate him kind of guy, you have to credit him for what he's done this year and just being able to rise to this height that we never thought he was going to get to he was the perennial bridesmaid and here he is the ufc champion so for this weekend i'm keen i'm interested i'm invested but you're not
1: well <laughs> i i am invested in that i will follow the card but i won't pay for it and and i think that that's part of that speaks to the rest of the card as well i mean absolutely and look and we can get into this a little bit later if we have time to me, I'm and I know that we had Jones Cormier pull out, but two hundred five to me looks better than two hundred. Like you look absolutely. top to bottom those fights, it's like holy crap. Well, and I think two hundred five
0: is is the attempt again to yes. sort of make up for it. Two hundred yeah. didn't go the way they expected. right. And if
1: Connor had been there and you had Jones like that, then then it's in the same conversation. But when you look at how stacked that is, I you know I look at this and you're absolutely right. Look, the thing with Bisping is. um you know, he's kind of in a way like Tito Santana, you know, forever an intercontinental title and never the world heavyweight champion. So he's a name, but like he's been around for so long. Um, but whenever you look at a fighter on the way down, there's a little bit of a good story there. Like obviously it was a redemption story. I really like Michael Bisping. I like the way he fights. He's all action. He's got best cardio out, out there, right. you, you know, and he's cocky. He's got that strut. <laughs> he talks shit. Um, And he seems to mean it. Uh, and it was a great, it was a great story for him that he, he knocked out Rockhole. But, you know, I look at this overall and there's a lot, you know, I, and I know I'm not naive. I know that Dana White, uh, they're not fair in terms of this goes back to the Tyron Woodley conversation about who he's going to fight next, right? Sort of hand choosing your opponent (laughs) and all this stuff, you know, not necessarily fair with how things go, but, uh, this is being massaged. Maybe it's for GSP. Maybe it isn't because Dana's been so, you know, showman and all that stuff. But when you look at that, you've still got Chris Weidman <laughs> and you've still got Luke Rockhold sitting there to give Dan Henderson a shot. Like he is a name. But if you look at his record, Spencer, and a year ago when we did a podcast, we were really worrying for his health. We've been worrying
0: the, about his health and trying to send him off right. to the retirement but, home for two because, years.
1: Because if you look at it. You know, the, the Lombard one is the one that comes out of nowhere. Right. Really quick and frightening loss to Belfort. Um, you know, just destroyed Tim Bosch himself. which So that was great. He landed a shot. Good credit for that. Uh, Lost to Musasi early. Um, Lost to Cormier uh, in really what wasn't a very entertaining fight, but it was a submission. But he, he wasn't in that fight at all. Beat Shogun, um, which is one of the few that's kind of... It looked like he was on his last legs. And then he gets that one. Is like, right. okay, he wants to keep going. Go back again before that. You know, round one loss to Belfort. Uh, round or, the, the fight with Rashad, you know, uh, fight with Mashida. So if you go yeah, back the, to this... 2013, Spencer, the quality fights and performances there are just his last one with Hector Lombard. That was the one that really stands out. Other than that, it was like... Okay. He managed to land a lucky punch and got the win. Otherwise. So like uh, you're worried about this guy, but it sets up either a great story for him to win the belt as a legend and go out. Or look, he got one last shot. We're setting up Bisping to be the sacrificial lamb. And if it doesn't work for GSP, you've still got this great alternative of thinking that if Rockhold or Weidman beat him, then they would face each other after that. It's set. It's like they're thinking two years down the road,
0: which is for once sort of a good thing because yeah, it no, seems, absolutely.
1: it seems lots
0: of times the UFC thinks about. Right now and maybe three months down the road, but you're a hundred percent right. This is hilarious that Tyron Woodley gets buried. For winning the title and saying, I want a money fight. I want GSP or Nick Diaz. And people go, oh, well, the Wonder is right there. That's who you should be fighting. Michael Bisping wins the belt and says, I want to avenge this fight with Dan Henderson. And people are like, yeah, let's do it. Like, Michael Bisping had a lot of time. And we've talked about this on the show. Michael Bisping could have called out Dan Henderson when he was set to face C.B. Dolloway. At UFC 186 in Montreal, that fight would have really helped that show, which didn't do very well at the Bell Centre, but there was no interest. Now, in talking to Mike, part of that is he feels Dan wasn't interested, thought he couldn't do better than UFC 100, which, let's be honest, probably not going to. There wasn't anything really in it for him, outside of it maybe being a main event fight versus being one of these middle-of-the-pack pay-per-view shows. But it is funny, it it does set up potential down the road. And that's the part that I'm interested in because the UFC has kind of set up this little mini tournament. Chris Weidman is fighting Yoel Romero in New York. Luke Rockhold and Jacare are running it back in Australia. That's a good fight. That's a great fight. If anybody in the division can really make a claim of like, this sucks, it's Jacare who has looked great. His only loss is that controversial loss to Yoel Romero. Romero probably can too, but you just served a nine-month suspension. You're not coming back and and walking right into a title fight. But it also feels like one of those, as you said, setting things up for later. We'll see what happens. You mentioned that it's, it's part of the rest of this card that doesn't necessarily have you excited and i look at it and i'm the same way
1: it's a fight night card to me spencer i mean i, I it,
0: it's a fox card to me
1: yeah exactly. when, when yeah. they
0: were doing yeah. the title fights on fox
1: it's a fox card to yeah, me. like struve intriguing but a lot of losses on there i i, right. I thought saint prue did a very good job in john jones return fight and it, but again he's a guy at the tail end of his career well not he's, a, he's career, a guy that we the know
0: guy. the ceiling has been established yeah absolutely. and that's I mean, I'm intrigued by Gegard Mousasi because I think this is his last opportunity to prove that we haven't set the ceiling with him and he maybe still has something left. He's only 31, even though he's been around forever. Um, Vitor Belfort is a name on the decline that if you look good against him, it can bolster your standing. But I agree with you. This card just, I mean, I'm pumped about Mirsad Bektik because he's a 25-year-old undefeated featherweight who would probably already be in the top 10 if he didn't blow out his knee last year. But I understand that there's not a lot of people in that camp with me yet, but it does feel like this is, this feels like the kind of show that maybe we would get here Absolutely. where it's, here's your big name, here's your title fight and a bunch of other
1: did the same proof fight here.
0: He fought here in the past. He beat, yeah. uh, he beat Ryan Jimmo with a weird, the late Ryan Jimmo rest in peace, Ryan. Um, with a weird chicken wing. I think Ryan had broken his arm earlier in the fight. Uh, they set up the fight between he and Bader at the press
1: conference. They just looked down the row at each other and were like, yeah, we'll do it. And they fought, I think, two months later. Wow, there's another name that's been lost in the dust, eh? I mean, you're looking at you're looking at Bader fighting Cormier at one point, yelling and screaming at all each set, other at press
0: all conference. All set. They were going to fight. They were going to headline a fight night event in New Orleans. And, into and the, the John Jones stuff happened. Yeah. I thought for sure I was at that press conference where DC beat Rumble, yeah. won the belt. They start John, Bader starts coming up to the stage. Looked like Dave Schaller was going to get thrown through another back, again. <laughs> backdrop again. And it felt to me like that was the perfect opportunity. Make this fight. And then they grab Alex Gustafson. And it turned out to be a great fight. And now Bader, here he is, sort of lost in the ether again. Completely, yeah. Jumping in for Alex Gustafson against... Yeah. Uh, little Nog in Brazil later this year in a fight that just feels like who cares at this point? Absolutely. And I'm not a guy that often says who cares, but like little Nog to me. Pretty much done. We yep. know we know where he's at. Both nogs actually. But yeah, the f- <laughs> old, older nog, big nog or same age nog has called it quits. He's off doing the he's off doing the job Dan Henderson wants to get. That was yep. one of the things that Dan said this week. He was like, I wasn't gonna come back. I was just waiting to see what the UFC would give me. I want one of those Chuck Liddell Forrest Griffin jobs where they say you're a VP, you just show up at events, you glad hand some people and they pay you every month. Didn't get that, got a title fight instead do you think he can get the job done? Do you think he rides off into the sunset with the belt over his shoulder and we get further chaos at the top of a UFC division this year? You know,
1: I I think there's, there's power there to get it done. We've seen that. So, but ultimately I just don't, I I can't see it. You know, I I think it's a nice story, but I think it's, I think it's going to be a first rounder one way or the other. I do. I, that's the way I look at it. I, I don't, I don't see it being a five round classic. I just don't. It's, uh, it would make a great story either way. And the fact that he's still fighting, but I, I just don't, you know, I think Bisping's, I don't, he doesn't have a good chin, but he doesn't have a bad one. Right. Um, so, you know, if Henderson lands a, a shot, I, I like to think that Bisping has enough, uh, I, I don't know, I guess just smarts to, get himself out of it but you know again so i would watch this if it was on tv i am not going to pay 70 dollars for it well and and the smarts is the part to me that makes this
0: very much as you said great story man it would be cool to write about the hollywood ending writes itself you make the movie dan henderson rides off with the belt lays it down with his gloves in the cage waves goodbye kind of funny that he does it in in Michael Bisping's backyard, so it's Rocky beating Drago in Russia, winning over the audience. I don't think it's going to happen. If it was a couple years ago and we didn't have those quick knockout losses that you mentioned for Dan Henderson, I could give him a better better shot in this. I could see it going longer. But given what we've seen recently, because he was hurt in that Hector Lombard fight. He's been hurt in every fight he's been in recently. It's just that he's had and still
1: has when you're that, that age, power you're to finish hurt all the time yeah, even when if you're, <laughs> you're just cleaning out the gutters on this on the fence
0: when you're 46 and you've been doing this for almost 20 years which is just crazy yeah it only takes that one shot and i do think michael bisping has smartened up since ufc 100 he's smartened up even in the last couple of years his work with jason perillo has paid immense dividends they've got this figured out this is michael bisping at his absolute peak right now just crazy to say at 36, and I know you're you're laughing because if this is peak Michael Bisping, oh God, we're in trouble. No, not
1: at all. all right. Absolutely not at <laughs> all. If this is peak Michael Bisping, I I think it's a great story, but uh and I think it probably is. Well, I'm laughing because whenever we say this is peak, the guy loses. The guy the guy well and I mean this is this is well, what's and, happened the, in the and UFC. this
0: is what's happened in the UFC all year and that's another part of what has me actually interested and ready to fork out 60 bucks on Saturday to plot myself down in my office, get the two screens going and, and watch this probably two or three times in the span of 36 hours provided it's a good fight is that the chaos has just been there all year. And every time, as you said, we think this is the point where he goes forward. I mean, going into UFC 199, I wrote that Luke Rockhold has the opportunity to be a dominant champion for years on end going forward because of how good he looked against Chris Weidman. Because of the five fights leading into the fight with Bisping where they were all stoppages, where he just he can beat you in any number of ways. He had already beaten Michael Bisping. Rockhold out of full camp. Bisping's talking the usual Bisping about come in and knock him out in the first round when he hasn't knocked anybody out in forever. And it happened. And the chaos gods reign supreme again. So I'm kind of tuning in just to see who they want to favor in this, who the, who the MMA gods cast their favor on. Yeah. Is it Michael Bisping getting the celebratory moment, the return home, win the title, it's going to be great Friday when he steps on the scale. He's going to get a big pop. That's going to be cool. He got a good response at the open workouts. If he wins, I've said throughout this week and leading up to it, when song two, that opening riff kicks in, that place is going to go crazy. If he wins, it's going to go crazy. But it's also going to be really cool if Dan Henderson manages to pull this off and write the, the final script of... And I left with the belt. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, but one of the reasons why it might be a little more intriguing as well, Spencer, is, you know, I I used to, my John Jones affection aside, I used to be in love with Light Heavy because I thought it gave you more, for the money, it gave you more consistent, spectacular performances from the top 10 up and down. But I actually think right now that's middleweight when I do look at the possibilities here. Like assuming, assuming that you get this thing through this. (laughs) You know, you know, I, you know, Weidman's there. Uh, you got Rockhold. You talked about Souza Romero. Those
0: next four are great.
1: Belfort's hanging around.
0: Mufsasi enters Wh- that if he looks good this if he weekend.
1: Does. Whitaker and I mentioned Brunson. I mean, that's, they're gonna that's the top 10. Uriah Hall still, he's ranked 10th. But let me throw a couple of other names at you. Yeah, GSP and Anderson Silva. People are forgetting about Spider. He's still ranked sixth in that division. Yep. He stepped in and survived against Cormier. He tried to fight. Cormier didn't. Self-preservation. Not going to blame Well, I am going to blame him for that. But <laughs> it's, as did the crowd, that's how I got myself in trouble. But I, I look at this and go, man, what an intriguing division. And as we talk about, there's a new matchmaker in the UFC. This is where I think this fight is plotting out something that's going to happen next. As you talked about, this almost mini tournament. But there is... Four other ways you can go in this in this division.
0: Yeah, and Whitaker and Brunson are fighting on that card in Australia with Rockhold and Jacare. So there's another fight. Tim Kennedy's coming back. Rashad Evans is dropping to the division. They're fighting in New York City at two hundred five. Like, come
1: on. All right. So let's let's tell Hando don't go away. And you can have you can have uh, Henderson, Rashad, Silva, and GSP in the Masters division, middleweight. I mean, it happens at heavyweight. And I think that's what people see is that
0: these heavyweights can stick around and ride yeah. it out till the wheels fall off, that they keep coming back. And no, it is, it's, it's
1: a division with an amazing amount of, uh, when you look at those legends, guys that serious, especially if GSP comes back and if Evans does drop down, there's some big star power there at older names. So it's, it's remarkable, actually.
0: Yeah. Rashad is going down. It'll be interesting to see if this is. If he is a, if he's able to even have that early Machida sort of bump of going down where the speed works for him and it is a better fit, because we always talked about that being a better division for him in terms of his side size, but he liked the power and and quickness that he brought at light heavyweight. Obviously, won the title, so it's hard to tell him he was in the wrong division. But this could also be the one last shot in the dark sort of. We get him in there against the guy that hasn't fought in a number of years, Tim Kennedy, but who holds a win over Michael Bisping, who is in that pack of guys that came over from Strike Force. The only other guys he's lost to are Rockhold and Jacques So very much can put himself back in that conversation if he wants to be an active fighter. So I think you're right. Middleweight. I'm big on bantamweight right now because there's a lot of stuff going on and some yeah, younger absolutely. and some younger kids coming up, but middleweight now looks better than it did to me at any point during Anderson Silva's reign just because oh, yeah, that top sure. 4 is so solid and i would i could see any of those four being the champion and just trading the belt within themselves or one of them just going on a really great run and being able to beat the three others and michael bisping and whoever else bubbles up so 185 is definitely going to be exciting for the next couple of years, and this, regardless of who's on top. And the sad thing
1: about how far Light Heavy has fallen, and again, I think that division does need Jones. you got Glover Teixeira, who's just absolutely destroyed in his loss. He's still ranked number three. I mean, come on. When you look at middleweight and you look at that, you can get down to top ten. And I know, again, Uriah just got destroyed at number ten. But you're talking about the tenth-ranked fighter is still a guy with potential that people think if he ever put it together, right. he could be. Well,
0: Derek Brunson is the guy you look at that's, you know... Yeah. Just in his early 30s, kind of a late bloomer to the sport, finally putting it together, got a good team around him at home in North Carolina, mixes that up with the Albuquerque crew at Jackson Wink, and is just now on this upswing where coming off that victory, and if he goes out and beats Robert Whitaker, who another kid looks great, has looked good since going down. really good fighter. And, you know, depending on... Alternate universe, he was supposed to fight Michael Bisping at UFC 193 last year in Australia. How different is this division if oh, that absolutely. actually happens? Because I was ready to pick Robert Whitaker to beat Michael Bisping yep. because stylistically, both cardio guys, both kickboxers, both coming in and throwing lots of, lots of pace. And Whitaker's got the upside of packing a little bit of power. Here we are now, a year guy, later, yeah. and and Michael Bisping's the champion. Whitaker's still working his way up, but hasn't quite gotten that big fight yet. But you're right. This division is loaded right now, and looks like it will be one to definitely watch for the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. So, what else intrigued you about the card this weekend?
0: As I said, Mirsad Bektik is a kid that, that I'm very high on. Um, 25 undefeated. Has looked progressively better in each of his performances. That's one of the things I look for in fighters. Came out and was able to grind out a win against Chaz Skelly. Caught an illegal knee midway through that fight. Gets a majority decision. Goes out in his next fight. Dominates Paul Redmond on short notice. Just brutalizes him for 15 minutes. Then he goes out and absolutely mauls Lucas Martins. As I said, blew out his knee last year. First fight back. He's run through. It's been a couple opponent changes. So I don't expect this to be... This grand coming out party where he absolutely blows people away, but definitely a guy to watch going forward. Like you, I'm still kind of interested in Stefan Struve because he's still only 28 and I still just can't put it out of my head that this seven foot monster can't be more than he is. I think the fact that he's training with the Black Zillions in South Florida is a positive, no disrespect to his team back home, but I think it's beneficial for guys to get to bigger camps, to work with crews that have sort of gotten guys to that elite level in the past. The Black Zillions have, I think there's a little bit left. And if you can't win this fight and can't do it impressively, then all bets are off and, and the ceiling is a hundred percent established but I'll still hold out a little hope for him. And Musasi fits that bill as well for me. I mean, I remember when he beat Jacare in the dream middleweight Grand Prix years ago, it was, is this the next guy at middleweight and light heavyweight? Went to strike force, won a title there, but he's just been kind of that consistently inconsistent, never gotten almost Bisping-esque, never gotten over that one big name yeah. to get to the next level I think Belfort's in decline. I think he absolutely should go out and smoke him. But I also know that people still think of Vitor Belfort as this dominant talent that just recently fought for a title. And that's what he did for a number of years. And so this, to me, can be the fight that gives Musasi that rub if he looks good. But same thing as Stefan Struve. He could go out and Vitor Belfort could knock him out in
1: 38 seconds. And then it's like, now what do we do? Um, now I know you're the host, so you probably have some other stuff to get to, but one thing I did want to do, uh, because I don't get to do this very often with you. Um, I just want to throw some names at you and, and, you know, tell me what's going on with them. So we start with the obvious one. My, the one that I have to talk about every time I talk about USC is John Jones. I know you're close to Brandon Gibson. Is there any, is he, I mean, I haven't even heard anything. Is he training? I know they're all waiting on this decision, but what's going on?
0: I mean, John's always in the gym. He hasn't broken from, from that. It seems, and and you mentioned it earlier, Dana White talking almost as soon as the test came out or the results came out that he'll be back sooner rather than later. For me, that means probably the Yoel Romero suspension versus the here's two years, see you later.
1: Why does it take three months to announce a suspension? That's the part that's
0: weird. Yeah, that's the part that's weird. I believe he is on the agenda for the Nevada State Athletic Commission meeting on Monday, so we should get more news on his future. I think no matter what he's looking at some time off. And I think that's why we haven't had any real news and, and the division is moving forward as it should, because I think even if he does get that reduced suspension, it's going to be nine months instead of two years. And so you retroactive that to July, you're looking at what's the quick math middle of
1: next year when he's, when he's due back. Um, Ronda Rousey. Again, we go through these big names. Man, I mean, this... Still movies. I see out of nowhere, it pops up, oh, Ronda wants to fight Cyborg (laughs) after her fight. Well, and this is the funny one
0: to me, right? Because George St. Pierre goes through all the steps to declare himself eligible and to make it clear that he wants to come back and has said publicly himself, I want to come back. He's entered the USADA pool. He's doing the testing. He came out and said, I don't want to skip ahead in the process and get that exemption to fight at 205. I want to go through my four months when, if anybody probably could have skipped the line, it's George. And Dana White constantly, "Ah, I don't think he wants to come back. I just, you know, I don't think it's in him. He's not coming back. We haven't heard anything from Ronda. And every chance Dana gets, he's out there putting Ronda forward. She's clearly the biggest star in the UFC. Not true, Conor McGregor numbers prove it all out we haven't heard from oh she wants to fight cyborg oh she'd even do it at one like all of this stuff to me is just i think the ronda's the biggest star is a shot at connor because i think that relationship is still what it is Because Connor, God bless him, has figured out this is what I'm worth. They need me. This is my brain. If I'm going to put
1: it on the line, you better compensate me.
0: I am going to do everything in my power to control every element of this because it's a short window that you always tell us about. And now that you've given me the keys to the castle, I'm not giving them back. I think she returns at some point early next year. My bet would be the Super Bowl show. Um... I think it's crazy that she's going to jump right back into a title fight because there is zero heat between her and Amanda Nunez. Um, obviously, things have, have changed in terms of that division. The Holly Holm fight doesn't really make sense now because well, Holly's on two straight to, losses. Yeah. The Misha Tate fight doesn't really make sense. She's fighting in New York against Rocky Pennington, and so that'll take her out of the mix. I think the UFC and and its partners or its new owners know that they need her back. And so this will be sort of a two or three month buildup of let's get her name out there and we'll start getting her doing appearances. And then she'll come back early next year. I
1: I find it fascinating just because, um, you know, if I look at the phenomenon that was Ronda Rousey, it's almost like when Holly Holm burst that bubble, it burst inside Ronda's head as well. 100%. And, And I think that if she you could see someone who was the most dominant athlete in sports. And I still think that held true. I mean, the fact that she lost didn't cheapen her to that. She was literally taking out everyone in 13, 14 seconds. But if that feeling of invincibility is gone, both for herself and her opponents, then you will see such a, I mean, big way more than Tiger Woods see someone at the very top of their game fall off so drastically. So I think that's why I'm so intrigued about what her next move is, because if she comes back in and suffers another loss, I think it's over.
0: Yeah, I think, and that's part of why I think the fight with Amanda Nunez, I understand it because, look, if it is only one more fight, you want her in the biggest fight possible. You want her on top of the marquee. You can sell the Reebok ad that they're already putting out there of perfection, doesn't get a chance to make a comeback and yeah. all of that stuff. But to me, it's it's interesting seeing the the dichotomy between her and Conor in terms of their first UFC losses, Rhonda goes into hiding. We haven't seen anything from her, just completely shattered. Connor loses, and 10 days later, it's, I want Nate again. I want all the same conditions. I'm going to pour every ounce of myself into this fight. Yeah. I don't care what it's going to take. I don't care that it's going to cost me $300,000 to win a decision. That's what I want. I'm getting this back. Yep. And we haven't seen that from Rhonda. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see where she's at. And, and I think we'll know mentally before we, before she even gets into the cage. I think we'll be able to have a very good read on what to expect from her in the octagon before that fight even happens. Yeah. Because demeanor wise, personality wise, just the words that she says and the appearances that she chooses to make. That'll tell us because all the way up to Holly Home, it was confident, none of these girls can hang with me. Absolutely. There was that bravado, and we ain't seen none of it in the last 12
1: months. So by the way, just because you mentioned Fox, I have this and the Super Bowl show. I have this idea. I I I can't stand the contrived uh, musical acts at, well i shouldn't <laughs> say i can't stand but i think they've run through it lady gaga's points here so i had this idea that first i thought well, let's throw out stand-up comedians you put out four or five of the top comedians and let's do a show how how about when fox hosts the super bowl you have, you have a main a event title as the you put it out i know it'll never happen but i'm just saying for that audience if you really wanted to push it how great would it be to have one of your conor mcgregor versus whoever two years from now when fox has a super bowl trot that out for your halftime i think it'd be spectacular
0: I absolutely love that idea. It hadn't even crossed my mind. And now that you say it, I'm sending the text. Yeah, I am like, Hey guys, just, just something to think about. Um, we don't need a lot of credit, just a little yeah. bit, but Chappie <laughs> and I just decided that next time Fox, well, and the interesting part is we'll see where the UFC is at with their television deal there has been talk in the last couple of weeks that once this current deal with Fox is up they're going to sort of look to go a little bit of that NFL route and spread things out ESPN's been doing a lot more coverage on it it's going to be really interesting and and I understand not so much yeah TSN not so much we'll talk about that at a later date I understand the idea of spreading it around because you do want to get on ESPN because it's a bigger platform than FS1 but at the same time are multiple entities you want ownership going yeah like is is fox going to be interested in being co-owners with espn well, and whoever el- i mean we're going to do afc
1: nfc you know how about you do by weight division heavyweight maybe, <laughs> yeah, fox maybe. And, uh, who knows um a couple of other names quickly uh Robbie lawler i know there's an injury involved there but there's another guy look top of the mountain Loses kind of out of the blue and it's changed the complexion of that division.
0: Yeah, I was supposed to fight Cowboy at two oh five in New York City, which was just going to be absolutely bonkers, just just bonkers. But also kind of like a wasted fight on that card because God damn, can't we put that somewhere else? Like, yeah, we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose some very good fights well, just I because. Would
1: have to win that though, wouldn't I, I, mean, I, I don't
0: know. I would. I would think, I mean,
1: cowboy, but I just see such a huge power discrepancy. Well, and the crazy
0: thing with cowboy right now is that every time you go, well, maybe this is the bridge too far at welterweight. He just comes out and looks like, looked great against Rick Story, but a guy that I like the fact that after losing that title as quickly as he did, it was, okay, get me back now. So that to me, and, and listen, no one has ever questioned whether Robbie Lawler is a fighter. He is 100% about this life so he will be back as soon as he can be don't know if he's going to be back to being a contender right away it'll be interesting to see who he fights next that's going to be a big part of it um but definitely a guy that i think still has a good couple of years being a definitely a fight night draw definitely added bonus on a pay-per-view card where you yeah. do the like Robbie Lawler's fighting. So that automatically makes it worth some you money. know, I
1: guess, I guess you have to give credit to Tyron Woodley because if I look at the shots that, that Robbie Lawler took, uh, from Johnny Hendricks and from Rory McDonald, that all they did was induce a smirk, <laughs> um, you know, to see him, uh, go out like that. That was one of the more shocking fights that I've seen in a long, long time. Um, so we can't mention Robbie without also mentioning Rory. Uh, I fully 100% support his uh looking after himself and taking the most money that he can especially when you do get down and look at some of the money these guys are making to put their their health on the line basically but um I I guess I'm still having some issues thinking that Bellator is a right move yet unless more people go and and I know Benson Henderson's there is another guy that you know I always enjoyed watching fight but it's like the World Cup of hockey. We knew it was the best <laughs> fighting in the world and no one really gave a crap that they won this plastic vase in the end. Um, financially, this makes sense for, for, for Rory. I'm a little bit pissed still at the UFC that they didn't make a bigger effort after, obviously, Rory's a local boy. We've met him in here before. Uh, but I think he was a talent that they didn't need to let get away and they did. And, and, uh, that's down to Rory too, because if he actually, shows any sort of a performance against Wonderboy. Maybe he gets a new contract, but that was a it was a really sad fight to watch that one. Um, but yeah, what I know you've been in touch with him. What's going on with Rory?
0: I mean, he's not going to come back until some point next year. Obviously came out of that fight with Wonderboy with a broken nose again. It's been a recurring thing. He's got to let it heal up. We talked probably a month ago for a piece that we ran in the paper about this move. He's super excited about it. I agree with you that from a competition standpoint and from a, you know, just going from the major leagues to this is kind of now he's playing at AAA and he's going to be the biggest star at AAA or one of the biggest stars at AAA, but it feels like he should be in the major leagues. Um I think it's absolutely the right decision. As you said, financially just had a baby family, all of that stuff going forward. I think the thing that he really likes, and he talked about it when we spoke last month, is that Bellator is open to a lot of the ideas that he has and a lot of the sort of freelancing things that he wants to do. So if he wants to fight at 85, they'll give him fights at 85. If Michael Chandler wants to come up from 55 and fight at 70, they'll make that happen. And I don't think Rory ever felt in there. Listen, there's probably a lot of UFC guys that won't on record say he's 100% right, but Off the record, off the record, will smile and nod and give you the little touch of the nose that you're right, that the UFC isn't necessarily interested in what would you like to do? It's here's what you're going to do where Bellator has come at it from a completely separate approach. What would you like to do? What's the stuff that interests you? How can we work together to make this the most beneficial for both of us? And I think that's really appealing to him. It was really appealing to Ben Henderson, who was able to do the different stuff that he wants to do in terms of competing in grappling tournaments and looking at different options. Phil Davis had said the same thing. I don't think we're ever going to see the mass exodus of fighters and elite names go over there. I think we're still going to see every year a couple of quality fighters make that move and make that transition. I don't think we're ever going to get the the champion that fights out his contract and then leaves the UFC belt to go to Bellator, the way some of the Bellator champions have done to the UFC. But I think this is Rory's opportunity to approach his career the way that he has always wanted to. And, you know, for a 27-year-old kid that that just had a baby daughter that is looking to provide for her and make sure that she and and the rest of his family never want for anything, this is 100% the right move for him. No,
1: it absolutely is. It's just that then you look at the career arc, right? And again, if I look at that, I mean… It, it, it's crazy. To, it's st- crazy
0: to think that he was five minutes away from being the welterweight champion yes, in a fight that Dana White called the best fight he has ever seen. Yeah, and then one fight later, they let him walk for whatever. Yeah, I don't know the financial terms.
1: However, but least, he
0: feels like a guy that you just put the sack of money on the table, absolutely, and keep him around. Even
1: retroactively to say, yes, you know, like like we we're going to give what you, you, you some back did. pay. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, but I still look at that and I go, you know, uh Dana stupidly said afterwards, you know, you never know how much a fight like that changes you going forward. And it's true. It kind of appeared that it did against against Wonderboy because there was no aggression there at all. I, I don't want to say he looks scared. Yeah, Wonderboy's a weird guy patient. to Yeah,
0: Wonderboy's a weird guy to fight. Um just because it's tough to close that distance, but it was very much the Rory that we saw against Jake Ellenberger. Versus the Rory that we saw against Robbie Lawler. And and some of that comes down, and some of that comes down to opponent. Um, you know, when you, when you can't cut the ring off and you can't get inside on a guy and that's where you're, you're going to make hay, it becomes difficult. And it, I'm sure, is frustrating mentally as you're in there and this guy's just pumping jabs in your face and you can't get your paws on him. But, It is interesting. It'll be interesting to see those first couple Bellator fights because we talked about Ben Henderson going over and this will be a boon for Ben Henderson and restart his career because he's kind of a forgotten man in the UFC and he went out and got smashed by Andre Korshkov in his first fight. So, And didn't look good in his second fight. Won it because Pitbull broke his shin. So it'll be really interesting to see. I think Rory McDonald's going to go over there and and do very well.
1: Um, But you know um quick anecdote years ago i remember interviewing craig Koch from the canucks when he was the, the second tour with the canucks when he came back at the end of his career and they wanted him to go down to the minors and he talked about as a guy who supposedly knew his role how horrible it was to go down to the minors <laughs> and every 19 and 20 yep. year old some kid always want, wants to wanted build that his name scalp to say move me up to the nhl i beat craig cox and when his heart wasn't in it and i think there's a little bit of that with ben henderson he goes in thinking okay i'm dropping down in in competition but everyone knows i can then say i want to go to the ufc i beat ben henderson and that's what that's what happens right so
0: craig cox bob probert still the best fight i've ever seen in my life hockey fight um but yeah that's that's absolutely what's happening and that's the part that we it's weird because we don't necessarily talk about that when these UFC guys go over, we talk about the opportunity they have yeah. to be the biggest star and whatever. It's crazy to me that we didn't just rave about Andre Korshkov after that victory because it was so dominant, because it came against Ben, who we had thought, look, this guy's making hay in the, in the welterweight division in the yeah. UFC and goes over and just gets trucked by this guy in Bellator. And yet we're still talking about, oh, now Ben can go to lightweight. Yeah. Let's talk about the dude that beat him. Absolutely. It's one of the, it's one of the faults we have in this, in this sport and in covering this sport is sometimes we don't pay enough attention to the guy that wins as opposed to the name that we remember.
1: Yeah. So, uh, almost out of town, out of time, but uh, did you have anything else you wanted to throw out there?
0: No, that's that's really about it. Uh, Patrick and I will be back on Friday with the Punch Drunk Predictions, the province.com slash MMA blog. Um, UFC 204 this weekend, myself and Matt Wells will be taping a podcast immediately following the show. So that'll be up bright and early Sunday morning because I don't think we'll get it done in time for the night crew to get it live on Saturday night. But yeah, that, that's about it. We will be uh, continuing all of our coverage as always, getting a bunch of good stuff out. We've got an event next week as well in Manila. Um, BJ Penn just got pulled from that with an injury, yeah. so we'll see what happens. Friend of the show, Derek the Black Beast. Lewis returning, heavyweights, always fun. Chappy loves them. And just the usual... At at Spencer Kite on Twitter and Instagram, talking about all of this stuff. And in the office today, getting a column written and, and hanging awesome. out with you a little bit.
1: A um, couple of quick points then before we go that I wanted to touch on. Josh Salmon. I remember him from The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, you had mentioned before we got on, on air that, uh, you know, he, he admitted he came off as a bit of a dick on that <laughs> show. Obviously, he was playing, playing a character. Um, Really, really smart guy. Sadly, passed away this week. Um and a guy I think that since he got in the UFC, even though he just recently had a loss, had shown a lot more potential than he had actually on the show. And I think was a guy that had he been able to hold it together would have been um would have been a guy who might have been in content contention down the road. So very sad news there to see that he passed away.
0: Yeah, very, very tragic news. Um I know it absolutely hit the entire MMA community exceptionally hard. Josh is, and I I said this yesterday when when confirmation that he had passed came out, you really know the measure of a man by what other people say about them. And there's not a person in the world in the MMA industry that would have a bad word to say about Josh, saman, great dude, great spirit, um, worked his way into the writing fraternity as well. And into that community doing yeah, stuff, doing stuff at bloody elbow, doing stuff at flow combat, doing stuff at UFC.com. Um, just a, a, a tremendous human being and definitely somebody whose, whose loss will be felt for a very, very long time. Um, you know, he, he wrote a book. I don't want to call it a memoir came out, I think a year ago called the housekeeper about his relationship with his girlfriend, Haley, um, who died tragically in a single car accident. They were texting and, and she crashed and he carried that, that oh, guilt and that burden. Oh. Um, since, just just a really good dude and i mean it's it's one of those things that like every year when this these days roll around we will remember josh and we will remember yeah. him forever so you are you are very much missed dude
1: and uh, one other thing that i wanted to to bring up that i don't think got enough uh run really in in ufc circles but this video that did exceptionally well on our site pops up from this guy with pieces of his forearm hanging off saying, life sucks in bear country, attacked by a bear. Matt Brown, the UFC fighter, um, ends up getting mauled by a bear. This is amazing. Have you seen this? I haven't seen this. This is news to me. Gotta look it up. Um, the immortal got mauled by a bear. He got mauled by a bear. Pictures of him uh, said uh, video says life sucks in bear country. He would just been attacked by a bear, face covered in blood, pieces of his farm hanging off, and it's made news everywhere because people are going, "Oh man, look at this guy!" But it turns out this this dude took on a bear. <laughs> He's used to fighting in the octagon. Pretty amazing stuff.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna have to send out some texts to find like. I don't know if interview dude get a I mean, I person, don't, I don't know if that's good. Matt that doesn't look like Matt Brown to me that looks like maybe Matt's just tweeting out this dude's story, but yeah, this dude getting attacked this is the guy that got attacked like twice by the same bear, right like he fought the bear off, yeah. got away, and started hauling ass away. And then the bear chased him down again and was like, "I'm not done with you." Well, but. he's
1: so covered in blood; it looks like it, it could, and it's, he's passed it off like it's him. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I read the story wrong, but it's a remarkable video. Anyway, regardless, so, yeah. life
0: does suck in bear country. Yeah, it does. All right, Spence. I guess that's it for this week. That's it for this week. It has been a pleasure. It has been the Keyboard Kimura Podcast on Province Sports Radio. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Thank you for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. One star if we suck. Five stars if you love us. Somewhere in between if we're just okay. And as always, be good to one another.
1: You've been listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Read the Keyboard Kimura blog on theprovince.com. Follow them on Twitter at Keyboard Kimura or visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash keyboard kimura.